is it morally okay to be proud of your country or to love your country? We discuss this and more on this episode of The Overthinkers. Hello, thinking people's thinking people. Welcome to The Overthinkers, a home where you can have fun thinking deeply. I'm your host, Joseph Holmes, filmmaker, film critic, whimsical patriot. And with me, as always, is my flagrantly flagophilic co-host. Nathan Clarkson, actor, author, filmmaker, and, um, uh... You know what? I don't have one. One of these days, you will think of your thing beforehand. I will, but that would take all the fun out of it. But the thing I was going to say takes so much like preamble that that we're just going to talk about in the episode. I feel like I'll just wait for the episode. But uh, maybe wait, someone who loves his country with a lot of caveats. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, that is very fair. Okay, well, that is a good segue because today we're discussing whether or not it's moral to be proud of your country. But first, Nathan, if people enjoy this conversation and want to engage with more conversations like this and connect with fellow overthinkers, where can they go? They can go to theoverthinkersjournal.com where they can find out more about their hosts and send us all of their love and hate mail and any ideas for upcoming episodes. Uh, they can also head to our online Facebook group. It's a private group called The Overthinkers where we have over 8,000 overthinkers all posting memes, getting in discussions and having a great time thinking deeply. We want to see you there. You can also, if you really do enjoy this podcast, please consider leaving us a review and sharing with a friend. It really does help us so very much. Awesome. So you ready? Let's do it. Cool. Patriotism is one of the most universal values in the world. According to the Vox piece, where people really love their countries and where they kind of don't, over 80% of people across the world are either very or quite proud of their country. However, in many places, these numbers, while large, are going down. In America, according to Gallup News, Americans' love of country peaked after 9-11 when roughly 9 in 10 Americans said that they were extremely or very proud of the country, to now only 69% saying the same. Across Western Europe, according to Pew Research, most people have mixed feelings about national pride, with majorities saying that they are equally often proud and often ashamed of their countries, with only Germany, Germany, yes, that Germany, having a majority saying that they were simply proud of their country. Wow. (laughs) There's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, that's a whole different episode. (laughs) Exactly. Some people see this growing lack of national pride as a big problem, claiming it's based on dangerous ignorance about how many of our privileges we owe to our country's values and institutions, and warning if we stop appreciating them, we will lose them. Others see this as a positive thing, as a sign we're becoming more aware of the evil that our countries have done, and that pride in a country so often results in dangerous nationalism, such as Manifest Destiny or Nazi Germany. Many modern Christian thinkers like philosopher James K.A. Smith even expressed skepticism that it is morally acceptable at all for Christians to be proud of or love their country, claiming that this makes it an idol. Despite this, cross-culturally, Christians are more likely to claim to be proud of their country than non-Christians are. Nathan, do you think it's okay to be proud of your country? or to love your country, or even that it's a good thing? And under what conditions do you would say it's a good or a bad thing? Okay, well, there is a lot to unpack here. And <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna give you a simple yes or no because it's just not possible. Those are not fun. Those are not fun anyway. Yes, exactly. We wouldn't have, ne- we wouldn't have an episode. So, wow. Um, I've noticed this line of thinking 
kind of a, a, a methodology of how people think about things nowadays. I know it from the micro to the macro. And we haven't had an episode early on called, can you separate the art from the artist? And mm. basically we explore, can you like the art from an artist who's been canceled, even for an egregious thing? Uh, can you connect with them? Can you like them, even if they've done terrible things in their life? And so, you know, that's on a more individual level, right? If we're talking about a human who has messed up, but also done something beautiful. But then if you bring it even closer, look at our friendships and we look at the people we have in our lives. And I don't know about people out there, but I don't have any perfect friends. In fact, most of my friends have done really uh, difficult, bad things. And, and, you know, scripture talks about how all of us have, and all of us will, that we are imperfect beings, yet we still love each other, hmm. right? And we still choose to love. Now, there are lines that are crossed and, and things that happen. And I think the same thing that's going on in the micro, meaning we have to cancel people and get rid of their work and not like them anymore. This, you know, we see this um, kind of thing that that's a struggle for a lot of millennials who uh, disagree with JK Rowling's stances on particular things, but still love her work. And they go, what do I do with this? I love Harry Potter, but I, I hate what she said about X, Y, Z. And they're really struggling to figure out how do I love something at the same time uh, that I pay attention to how de destructive in their terms and, and definitions uh, it is, or they are. And so I think the same thing is true about America. I think the same thing is true about whatever country you find yourself living in and patriotism. Um, and when it comes to loving our country, and I think you find the two extremes, right? You find one, which is just blind adoration, mm -hmm. which is, it's never done anything wrong. It's awesome. It's really cool. It's perfect. It's the best. And then you find the other, which is um, it's only evil, it's only awful, it's only disgusting, we should get rid of it. And I think, you know, with almost everything in life, the extremes are really unhelpful. And typically, uh, I find that they are um, the places where you can exist in a mindset that has a lack of nuance. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's just not an adult thing to do. I think adults look at the nuance and try to find a tension in the middle, which is much more difficult. Um, but I think it's ultimately more healthier. So when it comes to loving your country, loving America, right? This is a really complicated thing because I myself, I do love my country. I love many of the things that it does right. I love the freedom here. I love um, the people. I love the culture. I love the mix of cultures. I love that it's a melting pot. I love that it's uh, it, it's ingenuity and, and what it's brought to the world. And I say all that while I hate some of the things that exist in its history. Many of the things that exist in this history, it's racism, it's slavery, um, it's, uh, it's sexism, wh whatever it might be, you can go back, it's, it's brutality. Uh, you find a lot, of, a lot of really difficult things to wrestle with. And so for me, I find it possible to both love my country while being honest about the things that have happened in it that I actually hate. Not that I just don't like, I don't brush over them, that are evil and awful and I hate, and still I find the ability to love my country. There's a lot more to unpack here, but I'm interested on in your thoughts and I'll, and I'll expand yeah no i think i mean expanding on what you said i mean i think that that we're on the same page in this in that regard because you know so that there's without naming names because i think that naming names is not going to be helpful in this situation there there was a, a, a thing that happened like a few years ago sort of in the christian community particularly where there was a famous you know um black christian rapper who you, you probably figure out who it was is but you know, on, on, on the 4th of July, you know, on Twitter, he posted, you know, a picture of a black man being lynched. And he said, this is what my ancestors were doing, you know, during the uh, American independence, Americans getting independence. 
And he immediately got, you know, a whole bunch of offended people jumping on him online for that. And I remember look, kind of, you know, seeing that, I didn't see the controversy like when it happened, but sort of seeing, you know, the, the backlash and after the bit. And I remember that it, to me, that was sort of a microcosm of the problem because you had somebody who was essentially saying publicly to people, because of the awful things that this country has done, you're not allowed to kind of celebrate this in peace and and be proud mm. of it and celebrate it and be happy celebrating it. And then other people because saying that- aspects. Because if you're celebrating good aspects, you're ignoring the evil one. Exactly. Anytime you're celebrating this, you're ignoring this. And then the other people on the other hand were saying, because we want to be, want to be proud of it and celebrate it, you're not allowed to remind us of mm. the awful things about it. And I think that you, as you pointed out, there's just no way to tenably do that in the world because there is no person who is, has not done awful things. There's no country that has not done awful things. There is no religion that has not done awful things, you know? And so if you, so, so if you were to say that because of awful things done by a person, you cannot celebrate them as heroes. You cannot appreciate the good they've done. You cannot love them. Um, that there would be no no one to do that with. There would be love. Would be love anyone or anything ever. Exactly. On the other hand, <clears throat> when people try to whitewash the evil things people have done in order to love them and celebrate them, they're admitting the same thing. They're saying that it would be impossible to love or admire someone if they did awful things. Really good insight. So you're basically saying that their inability to look at the evils are, they're basically saying, if those really were, I couldn't love it either. Exactly, exactly. And so, so both, both sides- are saying in, it's a totalistic view where I can't love something unless it's perfect. Right, exactly. Um, and I think what's, what's really interesting is, again, as Christians, and you know, we're speaking a lot as Christians today, oh, well, get over it, yeah. <laughs> but is the Bible does not do that. If you look at, you know, again, and, and not to be picking on anybody, but like you look at the histories that, you know, in uh, Islam that they do of the patriarchs like, you know, Moses and Abraham, they leave out the stories of their flaws. But in the mm-hmm. Bible, they describe Abraham, Moses, Elijah, David as heroes, as heroic people, and people even to emulate and admire. And yet they spend the vast majority of time in those stories they tell about them talking about what awful things they did and how bad that they are. (laughs) The only person in scripture who isn't that is God. Yes, exactly. Jesus and God. And so somehow the Bible wants us to wrestle with that tension and say there is a that that there is a way to admire, love, even as you say this person is awful and has done awful things. So that's the kind of a place where this conversation has to start in terms of, I guess you, you can't, my answer would, you can be proud of your country, but only if you're doing it because you're looking at it honestly. Yes, that, that's, a great, um, that's a great metric and, and definition of how perhaps we have to love our country. I think that humans generally have a predisposition to when we see something to either uh, do, do one of the things. I'm, I'm talking about anything, country, yeah. piece of art, person, figure. We either idolize or demonize said yeah. thing. And again, that goes back to that's living on these 
extremes of this continuum that don't provide any nuance because it's easier to live there. Dealing with nuance, dealing with messy middles and tensions is really difficult um, and it's not really fun. Um, but yeah, I, I really think that as you look at humans uh, and especially with engaging with their love of country, they either demonize or idolize it. And I think yeah. both are wrong. And I, and I have two things I wanna say here. One is I'm gonna talk about the demonizing side. Um, and I'm going to talk about how it's kind of fatalistic and I think will actually bring about a worse country with more racism, with more sexism, with more destruction, with more violence, if we're not careful. Because this country, in, in metaphorically speaking, is the house we live in, right? It's the house that we um, find ourselves inhabiting. And if you hate your home, you're going to find yourself less inclined to fix it up, to make it better to um, do the work it takes to keep it going, to uh, make it a place of health and prosperity. And so if you have a fatalistic negative view towards your home, i.e. your country, um, and a hatred towards it, why in the world would you find any impetus to uh, want to see it be better, to want to fix it, to want to... And so I think that it, with this really negative view, what I see a lot happening is, is essentially uh, because people's hatred of uh, their country, their home, whatever it is, they end up ignoring some of the things that uh, that could be fixed about it. Yeah. Uh, because it's a fatalistic view, well, it's evil no matter what, and we're not gonna do anything about right. it. Uh, and the only option is to tear it down. Um, and I think that's a wrong view. I, I think you can look at a house and see its problems and see the leaky pipes, you can see the, places where it's wrong, but because you love that house, out of that love, you're gonna to wanna to fix it. The other thing you can do, like you pointed out, is you can live in a house with leaky pipes and creaky floors and maybe even dangerous things and love it so much that it causes you to not pay attention to its problems. Yeah. And it causes you to live in a broken down house that's maybe gonna fall in on you and kill you because you're so determined to say it's perfect. There's nothing wrong here. It's great. I love this house. And that's idolatry, right? Idolatry yeah. is looking at something and not recognizing the reality of what it is. Yeah. And I think it's funny that you pointed out on the end of both of these spectrums, essentially you end up with the same kind of outcome. You're going to have a broken down, you're going to be living in a broken down house. Yes. Now, as Christians, again, as Christians, we are people who have a philosophy of hope, of forward, yeah. of redemption. And so it's possible for us to both in looking at our own lives and the places we live, um, our countries, et cetera, uh, to say, yeah, my, my, our past is terrible, but redemption is possible. Yeah. And so I think that's what I see no one on the extremities doing uh, when they're looking at their country. Now, I do want to talk a little bit about it because I think this is a relevant thing that's brought up a lot, and I want to hear your thoughts on this, you know, Twitter articles, et cetera, sure. et cetera, um, which is the dangers of patriotism. Sure, yeah. So, and this falls under, you know, idolatry and such, and you've heard Christians talk about this, you've heard non-Christians, you've heard politicians, the dangers of patriotism, and essentially that it creates this exclusionary, we're the best, and it creates this justification of anything we do. So yeah. if you, you know, are paid, you know, you can point to um, the nationalism in World War II and in Germany and see because of their patriotism, we're the best, we're better than everyone else. They justify terrible acts, you know, as, as a result of their, um, their idolatry of their own, yeah. of their own place. Do you really believe your own hype that much? I am the hype! And people have been talking about how this is, 
on the rise, right? This is a, a pitfall of patriotism and we need to uh, cut this off. So what in your mind is patriotism? Is it dangerous? And how do we deal with the dangers or should we just get rid of patriotism altogether? Sure. I think so. So there are a few things on, on this. I think it's, you know, I mean, I think obviously, I don't think that you can be, I mean, first of all, Christian theologically, anything good can be made perverted to evil. In fact, the only things that can be evil are things that exist that are, you know, are things that can be, that are, are things that are good, because that's the only thing that means that God made. So um, I think obviously patriotism can, you know, be turned to evil and, and it has, obviously, I mean, again, you know, we just, you know, easily Nazi Germany manifest destiny in, in America. And, you know, you know, I, you can give, give thousands of examples all across the world of people um, saying, you know, um, I love my country and that's the most important thing. It's more important than all these other things, including yes. the lives of other people. And that's what we call idolatry is when we, when, you know, as St. Augustine talked about, he talked about any kind of evil as a disordered love, where we love mm. something more important than other things and, uh, and out of order. So it's like, you know, you're supposed to love God more than everything else. You're supposed to love, you know, um, you know, you're supposed to love his values and things like that more than other things. Like, you know, you're supposed to love people more than money. Like, is the thing is like, mo yeah. loving money isn't bad, but you should love people more than money. And that's an obvious one. And so I think where often it goes in is, okay, there's nothing long, wrong with loving your country or being proud of your country. Um, the question is, do you love it and are proud of it um, more than other things uh, that are more important? Do you love your country more than you love human lives? Well, God doesn't. You know, um, you know, it is it, in there's another thing also, like what was it? Um, I have to look this up. It also depends on like how do you define loving your country? Because there's an article in psychologicalscience.org which um talks, which has been cited in various places like the Atlantic. It's an article titled National Pride Brings Happiness, but what you're proud of matters. And this is specifically talking about happiness, but you can talk about it in, in more general terms. That there's ethnic nationalism and or ethnic patriotism and civic patriotism. And ethnic mm. patriotism associates love of country with love of your ethnicity. And then civic patriotism associates love of country with love of your institutions. And the, 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 the civic uh, patriotism actually makes you happier than ethnic patriotism. Um, and ethnic, again, and that is, is something where you can say, oh, I love my country because I love freedom of speech and freedom of religion and you know, checks and balances in government and these values. And actually what's interesting is that one of the problems Europe has had, the reason Europe has had trou more trouble integrating um, Muslims and ethnic minorities into its place is that they have a lot more ethnic nationalism, whereas America has a lot more civic nationalism, where it's like, again- and it's the melting pot. It's easily like, oh, you know, as long as you say rah, rah, American, carry the flag, and you know, we kind of- America. USA, 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 USA. We don't, like, it's like a lot of immigrants, that's what they do. They just say, I love America. And then we're like, cool, we like you, you know, like for the most part, you know, so it's kind of, so I think, so it's, I'm, this is a long sort of, I think civic patriotism seems like it's a really good thing for people. It makes them happier and healthier and helps uh, give us an identity that includes more people into our spaces and supports values that are good as long as those, you know, values are actually good. Um, I think that the question is, Again, for Christian, is your national identity more important or is your religious identity more important? And yeah. the are, you know, are is obeying God less important than preserving 
the things about the country. And certainly it's like, you know, a, uh, is preserving, you know, is, uh, and so that's, I think, where you have to question the priorities. Yeah. Yeah, this is, so I love what you're saying is that loving things is great, yeah. but they have, but there needs to be a hierarchy of the most important and top things to love. Yeah. Even like, I love my friends, I love you, but I have a wife to whom I'm going to give more of my act of love and she will come above, you know, th those yeah. kind of things. You order your loves um, in a in a way that uh, helps you understand how you ought to think about them and how you ought to act in them. And I think that's a really great way to point out St. Augustine and, and that we, that um, a lot of sin is just disordered love, something that's put above something that ought to be in its place. And I think that's what you see. I, I will say, I'll be honest that I see, unfortunately that happened with a lot of Christians I know is that they try to, they essentially put their patriotism or political stances and often they're kind of combined I would say above or with their faith. And, you know, scripture talks that you can't serve two masters. And I'd say at the very heart of it, ultimately our allegiance has to be to God. That is the top priority. And I see that a lot of um, Christians nowadays do have a struggle with that. Yeah. They, they don't know which to love more. And, you know, th that's, this is coming from someone who I, I can openly say, I love my country. Yeah. I love, I'm literally about to make a Western film about America <laughs> and the wild West. I love yeah my country, the mountains, the valleys, the people, the culture. And I'm proud to be an American, where at least I know I'm free. But um, I love God more. Yeah. And this is, you know, I, I made a, it, this is a personal choice, by the way, this is not a, a, a moral, if you do it, I don't, I don't care. It's just a personal thing. That's why I don't pledge allegiance to the flag because I find that that's a, a heart issue because I, I don't pledge my allegiance to anything but God and my allegiance in his kingdom. And pledging my allegiance to something that could be corrupted because it is man-made, yeah. I think is a dangerous thing. So th that's just a personal choice uh, sure. I've made, but it helps me order where my quote allegiance yeah. is, what is at the top of the hierarchy. And another thing I wanna say is, because I do find it helpful to talk about the macro uh, and bring it down to the micro a little bit. And we're talking about um, the macro being um, patriotism. Can we right. love our country, right? And I want to bring it down to a personal level about talking maybe about ourselves or our home and have this be the, the, the metaphorical um, kind of grid with which we see this. It is a good thing. There's a differentiation. It is a good thing. People, therapists will tell you it is psychologically healthy to like yourself, to love your home, to love your family, to even prefer your home family and yourself and your ways of life, your music tastes, your food tastes, how you decorate. Those are good yeah. things that you should celebrate and say, I feel most at home here and I like the way I do this best. Yeah. Now, what is unhealthy is if you go and only like yourself, your home, your family, in relation to what you hate about mm. someone else. Mm. Meaning, I like my apartment. I like how I've decorated it. I like the meals I have here. But if I only liked it in relation to me hating how you decorate your apartment, Joseph, or hating the meals that you have, um, I think that's where you get, uh, th that, that's where you start falling into a really unhealthy place. Because, you know, when we talk about it is good to love ourselves. That's called confidence. It's yeah. good to have a, a self-love. What's not good is to love yourself in relation to hating someone else. Right. Or even thinking yourself superior to someone else because that's called ego and so i think that there's this delicate balance when it comes to loving our country it is good to 
to love your country, even prefer your country. It's food, it, it's it's culture, it's uh, it's vistas, it is landscape, it's decoration, yeah. whatever it might be. But when we start doing that um, in an exceptionalist kind of way, I, I love my country. It's better than yours. It's mm. uh, it's it's superior to yours. Then it becomes this kind of insecure, egocentric place. It becomes unhealthy and has you own and gives you only the ability to love your country if you're hating something else. Sure. So yeah. I love my country, but I've also done a lot of traveling in my life. And I love visiting other places and seeing other people love their country. And I think that's a healthier view to have. It's okay to love your country, even prefer it, but it's not in relation to hating other things about other countries. It is important to draw wisdom from many different places. If we take it from only one place, it becomes rigid and stale. Understanding others, the other elements, and the other nations will help you become whole. Does that yeah. make sense? Yes, it does. So I got a couple uh, thoughts on on that, and then uh, and then a question. Sort of maybe we can that we can maybe wrap things up with. First is I think that you know um, you know sorry say I I tend to um, you know just sort of just for the balance here I tend to not have as much problem with pledging allegiance to flag just because I sort of see that more as um, your nationalist you know, like, bigot. Exactly. Yes, and that's what. <laughs> but um, a pledging allegiance to this country over other countries, not over other things. Um, mm. You know, it's like just like you you pledge allegiance of marriage to one person is not pledging allegiance against God. It's pledging saying exclusivity over other people you could sure. marry or you could sleep sure. with. But that's you know again that's a place where it's like I, I think that's very easy for Christians to. And that's to why I said this is a personal thing. Right, this is exactly. not a moral thing I put on anyone else. That's just right, right, exactly. no. or you. Um, my loves. Exactly. No, I think it's, it's, but you do need to worry about ordering your loves. I think that one of the things that, that see people, I mean, if we talk about sort of the dangers of, of, of sort of patriotism and nationalism, one of the things that is a problem is I, I find that most people who disparage the love of country and are worried about people who have too much love of country tend to not replace that with a love of, of God or Christianity, but tend to replace it with just a different uh, temporal tribe. One of the things mm. that people have pointed out is the fact that everyone who is kind of worried about Christian nationalism is constantly talking about the need to love your city. And so and so it, it ends up being we, we typically don't um, we typically don't uh, aren't all pure. Like we're only going to make our priorities God and these pure things yeah. and uh, these other things. If we just don't love our country, we'll be free of these kind of impulses. I think that that's naive um it's kind of like you create an you you say you shouldn't love this but you create a bat and it's going to be killed by something precisely um the the thing i think that i would say that yes you should love your country in the way that and and appreciate other people loving their country is also a good thing um i think that if you want to say there are things about my country that are objectively better one of the things you have to say is you have to make the argument for that first of all yeah. And you have to be, you know, say, okay, why? And here's why. And you also have to be, say, be open to other people proving you wrong. You know, mm. this is the thing is every way that you love your country and are proud of your country, you have to always be A, open to be proven wrong and B, open to seeing the bad things that are about it. You know, um, and I think that this is sort of where it gets to um, uh, one of the things that I require question is, we kind of say, okay, yes, nuance is important. And it's like, we're like, yes, you can be proud of your country and proud of certain things about your country and ashamed of certain things about your country. And both of those can be done together. But where is the line? Because we, we've talked about the, 
you know, the macro and the micro where, you know, when we say like with families, it's like, and friends, like you, you brought up at the beginning of there's a line where it's like, look, at a certain point, again, you know, as shocking as it may be for viewers to realize I am not perfect. And Nathan is not perfect. Well, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> but there would be a line at which, you know, Nathan and I, we, you know, one of us, if we crossed a line, we couldn't be friends with the other. You know, there's a certain line people can cross where it's like, okay, I can't be friends with this person anymore. There's a certain line cross where you have to cut off relations with a family member. There are certain lines that you can cross in any relationship where it's like, you know, this is more bad than good. And I cannot say that I am proud of my country or even love the country, except in so far as I see the image of God in them. Like you can say like, you know, I love my, you know, people, many people who've had abusive parents say, I love my parent in so far as they're my parent or have the bond, but I don't love anything about them. Um, yeah, most people still long for redemption of that yes, relationship. And yes, yes. So I would say <clears throat> where, and this is again, this is just probably just going to be theoretical. Maybe we can think of some examples, yeah. but where, what would be a guide for people to think, to start to think about what's the line that a country crosses where as a citizen of that country, you have to say like, I, I can no longer, you know, have any sort of pride in it or any sort of allegiance, where would that line be that that would um, make sense to do that? That's a great question. And it's one that I think uh, I read a book last year called The Faithful Spy. Um, it was a graphic novel, but it was about the life of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Dietrich uh, Bonhoeffer German, living in Germany um, all of his life. Uh, and then during World War II, that started taking place as an adult. He's a Christian and he's watching this country, by the way, that he loves. He mm -hmm. loves his homeland. He loves Germany, he loves the culture, he loves the, the, the sites, he loves the people. And he watches as his country goes and, and commits horrendous, horrendous um, acts. And so, you know, you have this, he, he has a struggle, this internal struggle with what, what do I do? I love my country. And, and this was portrayed in, in a movie as well, um, a different story of a uh, man struggling with his love of his country um, during World War II, um, he was, and it's interesting, both of these people ended up dead. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> um, uh, ended up killed by their own country. You're talking about Valkyrie? Uh, no, no, I'm talking about Terrence Malick's- um, Oh, A Hidden Life, yes. A Hidden Life, yes, another person. And both of these men, the, the lead character in The Hidden Life, I can't remember his name, and Dietrich Bonhoeffer, they, you can read their writings, they love their country, yeah. and that's why it's so upsetting for them. Yeah. And- the interesting thing about both of them is neither of them actually abandoned their country. Hmm. And in fact, what inspired their fight, even to death, was their love, obviously of God, but sure. their love of their country and wanting to see that country redeemed, wanting hmm. to see the country return to a health, to a goodness. And so, and that was pushed until death. And hmm. so we talk about giving your life to your country a lot. Um, and ultimately, I think these men gave their lives for God, but they also gave their lives to try to redeem something that was beautiful. Mm. And, um, and so I guess for me, because this is my home, because it's yep. where I, and because I love the people, I would like to think, and who knows if I would, I, I'd probably just move to Canada and, and you know, <laughs> hide, in a, hide in a cabin, but I'd like to think. Write a sturdily worded op-ed from Canada. <laughs> yes, dear country. Yeah. Um, but I'd like to think that I would 
give my life to trying to redeem mm. my country. Cause I want to do that in every other aspect of my life. I want to spend my entire life trying to redeem the broken parts of myself. I want yeah. to spend my entire life trying to redeem the broken parts of my relationships and my familial, my romantic. And I want to spend, give my entire life, um, within my city. And I moved to my country and I hope that I would give my entire life to trying to, to redeem and be part of the redemption that my country on a large scale would have. And ultimately, I want to give my life to try to redeem the entire world. Yeah. Um, and that and that's a little grandiose, but I mean following in God's footsteps and yeah. trying to bring heaven on earth. So I guess for me, there wouldn't be a line in which mm. I would abandon my country and I would always hold to the things I know are beautiful about it and try to return it to those things. Um, that, that said, of course, there are things that I don't right now. There are things yeah. in my country that I vehemently morally oppose. Yeah. And I try to live a life that will bring the goodness and what I see as beautiful about my country to help those be eradicated. Yeah. Um, and those are, those are many and a lot. And I, can <laughs> and I love my country and that's why I want them to be eradicated. Yeah. So I don't know if that answers your question exactly, but I, I hope, hopefully there's kind of something there. Yeah, no, I, I, no, I think I, found, I think that's that's a really interesting and challenging thing because you know, as as Christians, you know, being um, uh, being a Christian and being part of God's story and having your ultimate the identity being um, how God defines you and being obedient to His will means being dedicated to giving your life for the restoration of the world and the building of the kingdom of God, and. If you take, and that's not just in the macro, it's also in the micro, and your country is part of that micro. And so if you believe that your country is a city in the kingdom of God that you are trying to build in that way, then it makes sense. Yes, you give your life for your country to, to make it a part of that and, um, and preserve and, and redeem the values that are a part of it. I think, I guess, you know, for me, there, there's a certain line where you can say, um, I first, I think in order to have the line and be clear about the line, you first have to know what it is you love about your country yes. and you, what you love about your country has to be justifiable. Like you say, I can say, you, we've, you've talked about this, with, I can say that I love my country for the aesthetic and cultural things and the institutions that I think are brilliantly made and, and uniquely innovative, um, in, in, and, and has done amazing things to uh, preserve positive uh, ways of life around the world in many cases. So I love my country for those reasons. Um, because those are the things I love about my country. If the country ever stops doing those things, or at least is doing, uh, is doing more evil than good, then I will be less proud of my country yeah. um, than, than I am ashamed of it. You know, it's always going to be on a spectrum because there's never, because we have the image of God in humans and in, in culture, there's always to be something worth being proud of. And there's always to be something, and because we're sinners, there's always something worth being ashamed of. But if my pride in my country, my love of my country is based on, you know, civic nationalism, you could say, which is the love of the values that are actually good and worth loving. Um, if it's, we, if we are more often violating those than we are living up to them, I'm going to experience more shame than pride. And I think that that's sort of, a way for me to think about experiencing that pride versus shame. But you're right that pride and that love for country is never going to, can never completely disappear. And you can see that in examples of these great heroes, where we call them heroes. Um, because well, you can have shame 
and love for something. Yes. I mean, talk to any parent. Yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's, that's a healthy way to, um, to look at it. And I think it is, you pointed this out earlier, which is that it's very dangerous when we start to say, uh, so there was a, back during prior to the civil war, one of the person, somebody, a, a professor pointed out to me that um, in the decades between the revolutionary war and uh, prior to the civil war, there were a bunch of abolitionist societies in the South. Mm. There was actually a large contingent of the South that was like, yeah, we are in the South and we're relying on slavery, but we don't like slavery. And then suddenly the politics changed where abolitionists in the North started saying that the South is slavery. And mm. therefore you cannot, you, the South can't exist without slavery. And so you have to you know, uh, love slavery to love the South, and you have to hate the South if you hate slavery. And then they're those abol- the same thing. yeah, they're the same thing. And then those abolitionist societies in the South started to disappear. Mm. And 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 it became then all of the successful Southern politicians like Calhoun and started started to say like, yes, slavery and the South are inseparable, and it's good. You know, and so the thing is, I think that we really have to be careful when we try to say associate that the only way to improve the world, the place we're in is to hate it and to think it's evil. I think that we actually come a lot better if we say there's something beautiful about this that I love and I celebrate and I want to preserve and restore. And that's why I'm working to restore it. I th- it's interesting just to wrap up. Yeah. I'm thinking of another example that I think um, from our faith that I think might be helpful in this. I guess this will be my first bless is go read the letters of St. Paul. Hmm. St. Paul was a Roman citizen and he, talked about his Roman citizenship all the (laughs) time. used his Roman citizenship. And this was in a time when they were killing members of the thing he loved most. Mm. And he continued to march through Rome, trying to redeem it. And ultimately you see that his work as a result of this ended up in Constantine converting. And you actually see the entire Western civilization because of his love for country, even while they were killing him, um, and killing all of his friends and the people he loved, because of that, that place was changed for the better and the more beautiful. And that is a Christian response, I think. And yeah. obviously we see that Paul's talks about this, his ultimate citizenship yes. is the kingdom of heaven. He knows yeah. where to order his citizenship, yes. but he still identifies himself as a Roman citizen. And because of that, he was actually able to change an evil, corrupt, murderous, violent Rome, ultimately, you know, down the line. Uh, so I think that's, that's a really great that's... picture and something I would like to emulate um, even today. There are terrible things in America right now. There are awful, oh, yeah. disgusting, violent things that I agree with the biggest critics. And I'm still going to love my country because out of my love for my country, I want to see those things abolished and I want to see it become a better place. So that's, I, I guess that would be the, my closing. My closing. Amen. Step- <laughs> yeah. Amen. That's just, you know, you know, American flags in the background. All yes. America. <laughs> yes. Um, well, so now we're going to segue into blesses and curses, where we're going to find patriotic or and anti-patriotic works of art, resources, etc., in order that help uh, wrestle with and and articulate some of the stuff we're talking about. So, Nathan, uh, you want to go first? What's some? What's a good? a patriotic movie or or some or, or anti-patriotic yeah. movie to or or book or something to recommend well I, I already recommended the new testament so that's a good place to start yeah but in specifically speaking about america because we live in america 
Um, one of the things that recently I really liked and that I, it, it's really interesting to watch people on all these different sides of um, politics and social issues really kind of enjoy and gather around and celebrate is the, the, the show, the Broadway musical, Hamilton. Mm. And this is a really interesting show to me. And, and you, you hear the interviews with Lin-Manuel Miranda and you're going, why would a man of color want to make an entire story around the people who set up the country he lives in now that wouldn't even allow him to probably have rights? Mm. And then cast all of those people with people who wouldn't have even allowed to have rights and even do it in a way that showed, that wasn't just antagonistic or angry, that showed the goodness but also the badness. And it's so interesting to, to hear him, his reason as to why he, he did this. And I encourage you to watch the interviews. But aside from that, the music is fantastic. The yeah. storytelling is fantastic. The production is just absolutely amazing. Um, but to me, it's just an interesting look. And I think um, it's where we see someone who was able to look at the country he lived in. And he has a lot more to complain about than I do as a yeah. white guy. But he looked at it and he was able to look at the good and the bad with nuance and yeah. um, and uh, uh, tension yeah. and explore his country, with, which he lives in, um, its its roots, its base, and, and parse out the good and the bad in a really honest way. And I think that's so valuable and obviously very entertaining. So I just think that Hamilton is a really, I think it should almost be curriculum for yeah. Americans at this point. It's something that I feel like you should watch and understand. And especially um, it means a lot. It, it, I think part of its power is that the very people who wouldn't have been given free rights um, during the, the time the story takes place are the ones who are acting this out and exploring these issues. And I think that's a really powerful thing. So I, I really, really love Hamilton. I, I will um, say I, one of the things, yes, I think I agree. It's it really does one of the best jobs that I've seen because people have a hard time doing this. There's not a lot of art that yeah. does this really well, but show why it's America is both glorious and awful, and the people who did it are both glorious and awful. It does that super well, and you know it does do that thing because they cast people of color in these roles. It emphasizes the civic nationalism over ethnic nationalism thing, and it, and it shows you the the evolution and yes. what can happen when you better a country yes people wouldn't be inviting the room and now they are telling the story on the stage yeah it's and beautiful it what so, come because people love their country you know great, what i mean yeah no so great pick great pick yeah i love i love hamilton um i'm gonna curse wait i wrote it down oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is an easy one that really most people hate and i'm sorry for you for the disney adults out there um i love the music I love the uh, the voice acting. I love you know a lot of the things about it. Beautiful animation, but Pocahontas. <laughs> um, it's listen. As someone who respects history and thinks that knowing history is accurately is important, Pocahontas is an egregious affront to truth and reality. Yeah. Um, they try to pull. They try to take this story that's really pretty difficult to wrestle with yeah. um, and turn it into a, a romance that will sell to people. And, and it, it's, it's, it's hard for me to even organize my thoughts around this. It's, I just think rewriting history for either good or bad yeah. is a really bad thing to do. And it, it, all it does is it, it helps us live in these um, extreme places that we talked about yeah. earlier, either idolizing or demonizing something 
and things like Pocahontas that just write their own story, they take a real piece of history and just change it to their will, I think are really detrimental. Um, Even though they're really pretty and I like the music. (laughs) Um, So I got to, yeah, there are caveats to my curse, but I, I, yeah, I got to go with Curse and Pocahontas. Don't at me, Disney adults. Um, But yeah, that's mine. That's very cool. So um, I'm going to uh, do a couple of, I think, I think because we brought it up, I definitely, think that people um, would, would get a lot out of watching A Hidden Life and Valkyrie as examples yes. of people who love their countries enough when their countries are evil, they're willing to die for them. I both of us, I, I would not want to put those like as a blesses just because I think that artistically they're not quite where I would like them to be. But yeah. I think that if you would like examples of that, those are good examples. Yes. Um, in terms of like great movies that I think really do a good job of wrestling with people's love of country and, and complicated relationships with the country, I have to recommend both American Sniper uh, by Clint Eastwood and Da Five Bloods by Spike Lee. Both of those are about soldiers who are, um, you know, uh, who, who are, you know, uh, fighting overseas and wrestling with their relationship with their country. And American Sniper does it from a more, you know, I love my country, therefore I'm volunteering kind of thing. And of course, Defy Bloods is about African-Americans and they're much more complicated being, you know, in the draft, you know, overseas mm. and, and they're much more complicated relationship with the country, but still nuance that they have it in. I think that's what I like about these is they want to be more positive or negative, but they're both very nuanced about wrestling with these ideas of the positive and the negative about it. So I, I definitely recommend people watch both of those uh, movies. Yeah. Um, I will say negative wise um, curses. I'm going to curse Shape of Water, um, which Again? I've cursed before. I know. I really hate this movie. <laughs> I really do hate this movie, but it is, it is, <laughs> it is one of the easiest movies to be like, you know, to say, okay, um, all love of country and all of its values are all bad all the time. It's almost self-parody in that respect, you know, and even saying that the people who claim to love the country and its values really don't. Um, and I think that that's just not, that's not helpful. I guess because I do that one a lot, I can throw in the movie, Sorry to Bother You, just because that's, again, doing the whole, it's a similar thing and it's, it, it adds to it the conspiracy aspect that everything that's going on in the country is a giant conspiracy by these weird people in suits over there, which is a very uh, harmful way to look at wait, events. Wait, it's not? The <laughs> exactly. Hold yes, on. why? You know, um, no, and, and that honestly, that idea causes more people to act out in, in acts of terrorism, this belief that we're living under this conspiracy of evil mm. people that are controlling our lives. So I think that's very harmful for political discourse. So I'll just say, Chip Ward and sorry to bother you. Um, but in terms of the um, pro-nationalistic uh, uh, side, I'm gonna curse The Prince by Machiavelli, okay. which nice is a fun, fun little, yeah, old school, exactly going old school. And not just because of the usual reasons, because despite people's attempts to kind of sanitize and reinterpret Machiavelli, he really was giving people a how-to guide on how to be a tyrant. Um, but he- <laughs> I gotta read this. Yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> I think you'd like it. It's, um, <laughs> uh, but it, he does basically say that I want to, the, the problem with the world, there's too much division because people are divided over religion and they're committing mm-hmm. violence with each other over religion. So my solution is we're gonna replace um, a fealty to religion as your primary fealty to your primary allegiance should be to your country, which oh. was, you know, in retrospect, not a great solution to the problem of violence. <laughs> really? I can't think of any examples of that. <laughs> um, what's interesting, of course, is he was, he was writing partly 
um, in, in Germany, um, which, you know, is, is uh, you know, again, decades later, a couple, a few hundred years later, you know, the making your primary love, your love of country wasn't going to work out so well in Germany. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I think that, uh, so that's, that's why I'm going to curse that and that idea that you should, I think any idea that you should make something other than God, your primary allegiance is a bad thing. And I think that many Christians who, and people who try to make conflates the two um, should remember that this was partly a strategy by an awful person to replace God with patriotism. So that might be something to remember. Um, yeah. This is good, and I'm just uh, bracing ourselves for the hate mail from everyone. <laughs> Literally everyone. Yes. Well, I look forward to it. Uh, we're getting starting to get. To, we started to get some more of those uh, those comments in our Facebook group. Some, some love mail and hate and mail. Hate mail. Oh, so yeah. I'm I'm really enjoying that. Love love that you guys yeah. do that. Well, so speaking of which, segue. If people do want to send us love mail or hate mail on uh, this topic, where can they go, Nathan? Well, they can tell us how right or how wrong we were by going to the overthinkersjournal.com and sending us a message. We love hearing from you. And we're always looking for new episode ideas. And a lot of our ideas come from people, from listeners who want to hear about us talk about a certain subject or want to have someone on. If you know an expert in the field and you want to hear me interview, please shoot us a message. We love exploring awesome, deep topics and doing it uh, having fun while doing it. So please head to the overthinkersjournal.com. Also head to our private page, the overthinkers on Facebook and join the group. And if you want to get in touch with me, you can just search my name, Nathan Clarkson on any of the social medias or go to my website at nathanclarkson.me. You can find me on any of the socials as well as josephholmestudios.com. And you can find my work as a culture and film critic at uh, Religion Unplugged. I'm writing semi-regular articles there, so you can find my work there. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, so much for joining. Thank you, Nathan, again, for being awesome, giving your awesome insights. And remember, if it's, <laughs> <yes>. remember <laughs> if it's worth thinking about, it's worth overthinking about. Thank you.